Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, Neon, Helium, Xenon, Krypton. Transform and roll out. Max at Mondo Neon. I'm with Danny Corey on the show, cinematographer, director. Um, really excited to have you on as a guest. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Max, for having me. Really excited to, to join and been listening to the podcast. So uh, it's just a delight to be here. Yeah, it's wildly interesting how we, we talked a little about this before we started recording, which was sort of the intersection between art and film and neon. There's this really cool segment that happens in between all of that. You know, people kind of get exposed to it in a number of ways. There's guests that we have on the show that are clearly artists and people who are sort of more dabble in the sort of documentation side of things. But I think film is one of those really cool uh, mediums that really helps kind of pull things together. I mean, it's great to have photos, but there's nothing like, you know, the kind of the, the in motion aspect of, of footage. I mean, as stunning as it is, I mean, we only have a short amount of time. I wanted to kind of focus on the, the Las Vegas vendor uh, piece that you put together, but maybe just spend a few minutes just kind of like briefing people on, on who you are and, and kind of ultimately, you know, how you got to be doing the work that you're doing right now. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a director and cinematographer. I mostly work in the commercial space. So a lot of advertising and commercials that you see on TV and uh, yeah, I kind of always wanted to get into filmmaking as a, as a young kid, just growing up on, you know, eighties movies and nineties movies and made my way out to Los Angeles about 12 years ago um, with my partner, Heather. And um, yeah, just kind of, picked up filmmaking and worked my way up the ranks um, till finally one day I was shooting it and then um, then started directing and kind of haven't looked back since. And um, yeah, the, I think the other thing about that is uh, the filmmaker part of it is, is, is sort of the artist uh, part of me that, that wants to keep making films. So while I'm still making commercials, I'm still trying to make films like Las Vegas Bender. Yeah, it's exciting because, you know, for anybody that doesn't really know, I want to kind of just cue people up to this. I mean, it's a film that really kind of goes into sort of the depths of, you know, what a, what a neon artist does with neon. I mean, maybe talk a little bit about what, what kind of catapulted you into. I mean, it covers a lot of ground and, and obviously you spent a great amount of time making it. You know, how did this idea come to be? Was it something that, you know, because I'm really big on the sort of the journey aspect of it, but to kind of just elaborate was neon sort of something that you knew about or a, kind of a mutual sort of thing that you came into kind of getting to know a little bit more based on just your own sort of interests? Yeah, no, I, I believe it or not, the, my interest was in the city of Las Vegas. I've just got this bizarre fascination with the city and its weirdness and all the bad parts and the good parts. And most people that meet me, uh, you know, I tell them I love Las Vegas and they just look at me with curiosity, like, you are you sure um so i i have found over the years it's like really hard to describe to people why i love it and so i had just been looking to tell a story that maybe i could point to as a film something that's concrete that says this is why i love las vegas and so i was looking for an entry point and i initially had started thinking about wedding chapels and talked to a few of those wedding chapels and and then i was like but then i had to sit and think and really wonder about what actually drew me to that city and something about the neon I think was 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 the most intriguing and and the fact that it keeps disappearing from that city is the other part of it so that's that kind of felt like the entry point and so I thought well maybe I can find a neon artist that you know is from Las Vegas and 
uh, might know a little bit about the history and then also is keeping it alive. Um, and that's kind of how I, I came across our subject, uh, Leticia Maldonado. Yeah, and for people who aren't listening, I mean, Leticia is local to that area. And so it's it's interesting to see how you, was it sort of a mutual connection? Because sometimes people get confused or like, how do you make this project? And, and they have kind of tendencies to kind of struggle with that and figure out how to do it. I mean, you have a lot of connections. Obviously, you're uh, very sort of driven and, and motivated to do all that. Any kind of, you know, what was that catalyst that you know led you to Leticia? Was it a conversation you had online? Was it was sort of something that you had bumped into uh, regarding like maybe just doing some searching? Yeah, I had, um, I just did a cold call to her. I, I actually, I was just kind of looking for someone that fit her profile, someone that was from Las Vegas, particularly female, and that was a neon artist and had a love for the city. And uh, I actually, I stumbled upon her. I went to an exhibit at uh, Glendale Museum of Neon Art, and she was a part of a She Bends um, exhibit that was showing there for, for a month. And as I was just reading the bios, I, I read her bio and it was all about her and growing up in Las Vegas and that her mom um, was a burlesque dancer. So it just had like this, it had a very Las Vegas style to it. And I, I was just immediately drawn to her and her story and her mom. And, um, and just so happens that she does some really radical neon work. So uh, yeah, I just ended up calling her and said, Hey, I saw your stuff. And um, we met and kind of, hit the ground running from there. She was like on board and, um, you know, she, you know, those who have seen the film know that she's just, um, she's just a true artist and she will say yes to everything and just keep pushing, uh, to get better. And that's, that's kind of from day one, that's, that's kind of what I experienced from Tiza. That's awesome. And then even like the film is, is very stylized. I mean, obviously it's a documentary, but was there an approach that you had kind of pre-planning? Like there's awful lot that goes into filmmaking. People sort of sit back and consume it daily, even in video and film and things like this. Um, but even that storyboarding element, was there, was there anything like that you kind of had sized up and, and, and more importantly, like how, how did that pre-production planning go on? I mean, what do you focus on versus what do you don't? Is there something that kind of stands out for you in, in kind of in that, in that realm? Yeah, you know, as you said, documentary, it's like, it's tricky, right? Because you're, you're kind of trying to find the story as you go. Um, <clears throat> but I, you know, I come from commercials, which typically are pretty high, highly stylized, and I prefer to do narrative filmmaking. So from, from the go, uh, my executive producer, David, and I kind of knew we wanted to, it to be anamorphic. We wanted it to have a look. We wanted it to feel like uh, people were watching a movie, even though it's a documentary. And so um, that was the one thing that we really paid attention to was there's a there's a few flashback moments that we sort of have as narrative elements that kind of speak to Tisa's uh, childhood, you know, growing up with her mom, having to drive down the strip and seeing all the neon, you know, they're picking her up at uh, her mom from a late night shift, you know, at like four in the morning. So everything's the lights are still on and it's just, it's like as if it's a dream. And so we really made sure that uh, we wanted that to feel really powerful for the film. And so um, that was storyboarded and thought out and we casted a young actress and the car had to be right. It had to feel like a nineties period vehicle. So yeah, they ended up being like, you know, and then it's those locations and permitting and all that kind of stuff that kind of goes into it. That feels like the messy, annoying part of filmmaking, but sets you off on the right foot and allows you in the moment 
to kind of capture what you need. And, uh, and we, we ended up being really happy with, with what we got and, and it's kind of worth, uh, all that headache ahead of time. Yeah. And there's even like a lot of incredible night shots too. I mean, there's, there's kind of a discrepancy between people who do a lot of filmmaking or I should say photography. Some people love the, the kind of the immediate glow of it, but I imagine that's somewhat original to, to Vegas. I mean, it has that uh, sort of that nighttime feel to it. And I think you guys captured it super well. I mean, especially in the, you kind of an aesthetics department. I mean, when I was looking at some of the, even the pre-production and even the photos that you guys have taken and um, you know, still images and things like that online, I mean, you can really get a sense of what the film is about. And I think that's difficult for most play, you know, even like for most films to convey is like, what exactly is this all about? Um, but I think it all kind of goes together, which is a testament, I think, to the team and also Leticia, who obviously kind of obviously, you know, had her, her mark on the film, but you know, were you guys thinking about, you know, even it looks like you even took into things like consideration with music. I mean, I, I think a lot of times film kind of overlooks that element, but you have an original score by Brian Kirk Costers, which is you know, really neat to see. It, even I think music at this point, even for Mondo is very important. We do things like even like playlists and things like that. So even when you're thinking about making a specific art piece, I think artists specifically relate to music in a very intimate way, whether it's personal or it's on the studio. But this idea of kind of creating a, a, a soundtrack, which is really neat. I mean, even as for something like of this size or this scale, um, sort of a smaller documentary piece, you guys, had you been thinking about that originally? Yeah, I think um, that's kind of the fun for me of making these films. You know, this is this become this was a passion project. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's the way to for me to keep my soul cleansed and uh, you know keep my interest and creative muscles flexed. And so, yeah, it was really important from the start that kind of everyone involved sort of had some connection to Las Vegas, understood sort of what we were going for. So. I, it's such high praise to hear that you you can kind of feel that and, and see that through the film because that's that's exactly what we wanted and um, yeah like you said we we created a an inspiration playlist that everyone would listen to ahead of time um, you know which had like thirty tracks on it of you know different you know Las Vegas artists from you know Wayne Newton to um, Frank Sinatra and then we've got the Killers on there so yeah it was just like a really great way to keep us inspired and thinking about the film. And then um, Brian, uh, who's a dear friend of mine, uh, incredible composer um, who actually went to UNLV. So he had spent years there and just has such a romantic relationship with that city. And uh, he just kind of got it from, from the start. And um, it was, it was really essential that he create something that, that, you know, was a nod to the city and, and reminded him of his time there. And um, so, yeah. And then, and then it was just fun. And then we, you know, everyone on, on the crew got their own little vinyl record of the score. And um, we ended up making some uh, enamel pins uh, for everyone at the original screening in Las Vegas, which was super fun. And so, yeah, I, I think including all that stuff into the process of the film makes it more memorable. It makes it more of a, a an experience rather than just a output of here's the film and we're done. You know, it, it now it like kind of lives with us and we get to enjoy actual pieces of, of the film in different ways. Yeah, and you can even listen to it on Spotify. I kind of love that, that fact of interacting with the music and being able to support um, the project as a means to sort of like, bring it all together right and then you know even like the part where I think filmmaking is obviously there's a lot of unforeseen challenges was there I mean is there any like funny like 
crazy, like haha to do stories, like things like came out of that conversation, or at least when you were making the film that like behind the scenes that you may want to let people know about. I mean, obviously we don't know everything about the film, but like you, you know, intimately like the way you guys do, but is there anything that stands out for you that you were like just funny stories or things that happened along the way while you were trying to shoot me on, or was it all just kind of like easy, easy peasy? <laughs> Uh, man, I wish it was easy peasy. <laughs> no, it's it, with, with any project, uh, any art project, you know, there's, there's just, uh, ups and downs and, you know, Tisa talks about this in the film. It's like, if you're not, you got to hurt for it, you know, you just got to, you know, it's going to hurt when you do it. Uh, and, and, and we had a great time doing it, but of course there's scheduling issues and there's things fall through and locations drop out and then there's not enough money. So that, that kind of stuff that all was mixed in and, um, you know, but we, we kind of took our time and we, we were focused on getting it right. But I think the, the maybe a, a funny story would be um, our, our young actress, uh, Ariana Cernak from, from Las Vegas. Um, she was so sweet. Uh, I think she was seven, which would, would have been Tisa's age when she was, you know, uh, in these reenactments and um, amazing family. They were so helpful. They came in and they helped us out and it was a long day for her. Um, you know, we shot for maybe six hours, I think with her. So we, we had three hours on and then three hours off and then she had to come back at night and she was exhausted and we had her in the back of the car and it was really essential that she, you know, be awake for the shot, but she kept falling asleep. <laughs> and we did not think about, you know, we had no experience with children on set. And um, it turned out that like Tisa was falling asleep anyway in the car. Cause it was 4am, you know, back in the nineties when she was doing this with her stepfather in the car. And so it ended up working out really well in terms of performance. We would just kind of shake Ariana's leg awake and she would just wake up for a second. And it just performance wise worked, you know, in the moment it was super stressful. And I was like, Oh, we, we didn't get this. And then reviewing the footage was like, Oh, this, this is actually a happy accident. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the beautiful things I think about filmmaking is you kind of have to think big picture. I think a lot of people that are especially hold on to certain ideas and concepts. And I think what drives people to kind of success is the ones that kind of can can convey or at least convert, you know, missed opportunities into new chances. Right. Like there's a lot of that talk conversation, especially on the podcast where, you know, we're trying to try to speak to a different time or at least a different place. And there's some people that can relate to it or not. But you know, the question always goes out to certain guests. It's like, you know, what can you throw out there that'll work well for other people? Do you think back on a certain, you know, maybe uh, someone who mentioned some advice or things along the way that you learned during the filming that you now hold on to sort of near and dear that can help kind of guide you or at least give people some, some hope that there's, you know, a new way to work. Is there something that you can stick out there and throw out there for people listening that may help them, you know, whether they're making something creative or not? Yeah, I think, um, yeah. Uh, filmmaking is such a funny, it's all about the planning, you know, and then, and then in the moment you just pivot because nothing's going to go the way you want it to. And so I've kind of always, you know, I sometimes have to speak to, you know, younger filmmakers or I'll have to talk to students. And I always say like, it's always the same. You're always doing the same thing. It's just, you're solving different problems in the moment. That's really what the filmmaking is. You know, you, you go in, you know what you want, you kind of light it, generally the same you know sometimes it's a little more dramatic than others but you know the found the foundation or the fundamentals are there it's just uh you just got to put out the fires as they come so um just staying calm and, and surrounding yourself with a great team and being open to collaboration i think you just just enjoy it you know that's that's kind of how i've been able to really just keep my heart in it and, and love every moment of it <laughs> 
That's great. And speaking of enjoying it, I mean, even like segueing into sort of how you guys would, you know, put the people make art all the time and then they have to put it out there and they always kind of um, have to factor that into it. Obviously, success of the film is sort of the reception. Do you, you guys brought it to different festivals? What was that process like of kind of completing the project, but then sort of being like, okay, we got to get it out there. How do you, especially for a small film, anyone who's kind of made their own artwork knows that, you know, just as much as important as making it is getting it out there. And so, um, how did that process go? Was it easy kind of connecting with different people or, you know, cause it went, you know, it's been, um, you know, previewed at different places, especially around the country. Um, you want to speak to that and kind of let people know how that worked out? Yeah, that was, you're right. It's that part of releasing the baby into the wild to have everyone look at it is, is, is definitely a little stressful. And, um, that was one thing going into the film as a passion project was I wanted to really not concern myself too much with the outcome. I just really wanted to make something that uh, felt good for me and, and could be helpful to Tiza, our artist. Um, and then we were just, we were really happy with it. And we were like, you know, what? It, it should be seen. So we ended up doing a, um, a friends and family sc- screening in Las Vegas um, at this great little old motel and they shut it down and, um, you know, put a big screen out there for us. So that was super fun. And then, and then we thought, well, let's do a, we'll do a festival run. And, um, yeah, we, we ended up applying to like, uh, maybe 20 festivals and we played about 16 of them. Um, so reception wise, it was really exciting to get, uh, invited to most of the festivals that we submitted to. And, um, the unfortunate thing was that we had submitted in 2020. And so we ended up only going to three of them and then the rest ended up being virtual because of the pandemic. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a bummer. And then, and then we did sort of a online premiere, um, in 2021. And then, um, yeah, then we recently just did an LA premiere, uh, at the Glendale, Museum of Neon Art, and um, that's kind of been fun. It's kind of given it a new, a new little life, and uh, people are seeing it again and uh, reaching out. And um, Tease has been hearing from folks that she's not heard from, and so that's it's been exciting to just kind of watch it, you know, kind of rekindle again. Um, so it's it's been a, it's been a journey. It's it's really fun to see the reception. Yeah, and I love the idea of like at least being you know mindful of, of the times, right? Like if it didn't work out, you know, in person, even going so far as to go online, is there a way? Like, what's the best way people can sort of listen now they're listening and they're excited about it? Um, you know, how can they consume the film? Yeah, so we're uh, at lasvegasbender.com. Um, the film's right there uh, under the watch tab um, for anyone's viewing pleasure. So it's you know enjoyable online. You don't have to sign up for anything. You just literally go on and check it out completely free uh watch as many times as you like <laughs> <laughs> and if we want to send some sort of form of endorsement i mean is there a way to do that i mean people clearly want to you know support a neon and do it in a way that's mindful um have you thought about that is that something that you're interested in or you don't want to comment on that yeah i think um i think you know i when tease and i kind of put this project together i the main goal of it because it was a little bit intrusive and invasive in her life and we had to go see her mom and all this stuff was I really wanted this to be a film that was hers in the end something that she could use to promote herself um so I would just recommend checking out her work and um just seeing where she's going and it's really exciting you know we talk about in the film one of her five-year goals was to get some neon actually on the Las Vegas strip and um I'm like really proud to say that she just did it uh, just a few months ago. So 
she's just she's just in a really awesome renaissance um she's just got so much great stuff coming a few exhibits happening in los angeles and so i would just recommend ch checking her out and all her work yeah it's wonderful and, and obviously we'll put links to all of that in the show notes so people can click on it go view it if you're listening and you're you want to be mindful of that you can click on her work and then also the film that you know danny is so carefully painstakingly put together um i guess future comments like thing, you know things that you're working on stuff you're excited about um with your own work yeah i've got um shot a new short film um just a couple months ago which we'll be releasing shortly we're looking for an online premiere um and that will probably hit festivals as well but yeah it's just a, a short little film um you know five minutes narrative uh and it's called vacations and yeah we're excited it's a, it's a comedy and just a little fun uh piece of art that people can enjoy just to kind of uh cut loose from the news of the day, you know, so. Well, we'll definitely, we'll put links to, to Danny's uh, website. And, you know, if you do check out his IG, he's an incredible uh, photographer as well. He's got a lot of pictures of neon um, and mind you, they're very good. I mean, especially when it comes to, you know, creating an atmosphere, <laughs> he's, he's got really a good eye. As you can tell, if you have to be a cinematographer, you have to know what you're doing. So, um, but Danny, this is really special. I'm obviously really excited to have your work on the show um, and everybody listening don't, definitely go check it out follow if you can even um do that that would be wonderful but we are, are super mindful of, of time and want to just say super thank you for um making this a, an awesome show thank you max this is uh this has been really enjoyable and, and thank you for all the work you do this is uh, i love hearing the conversations hey guys hope you enjoyed that show if you haven't done so please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice we have a lot of great neon guests coming up and as always thanks for listening